Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good afternoon to those of you listening in the United States. Uh, good morning to those of you on the West Coast, and good evening to those of you in Europe listening to V Radio tonight. And good, really early in the morning to those of you listening in Australia. If I remember right. It's kind of I remember trying to figure out when to schedule an episode where Ben Stewart, the filmmaker from Chimatica and Esoteric Agenda, came on and uh, he was getting ready to go to Australia. He was trying to figure out where the best time would be to get on there. So, um, uh, once again, uh, thank you, everybody, who has uh, supported V-Radio recently. Uh, The donations came in at just the right time, and I really appreciate it. Um, And uh, I changed something recently, actually, about donations, is that uh, from now on, uh, the dollar value of your donation essentially enters you into a raffle uh, with one ticket per dollar, you know, basically of the donation, and uh, that raffle, if you win, will get you your own, basically whatever you want from the V Radio store—a shirt, mug, Stein, whatever you prefer. So, just an incentive, folks, and a kind of a way to give back um, to those of you who've been donating to V Radio. Um, as soon as I opened it up to become more of a contest, uh, uh, the raffle tickets, quote unquote, fell, you know, flew in. So, thank you for your support for alternative media. Uh, particularly when it comes to situations like what we're going to be talking about today, since the mainstream media is doing its best to ignore the efforts of Occupy Wall Street, I, in typical V-Radio fashion, decided it was a good time to uh, essentially extend the middle finger to the mainstream media. Um, And so that actually brings me to my guest. Um, But but first of all, if this is the first time you've ever listened to V-Radio, Please check out my website, v-radio.org. There you can find archives of other shows like this one, interviews with documentary filmmakers, activists, scientists, and uh, other you know, also just uh, generally blog shows where we have open forum discussions uh, with panelists who discuss issues like those that we cover on, basically on this show, broadcast and many others. You can also check out my must-see TV list of free documentaries to watch on the Internet uh, that I think are highly recommended watching for everybody. Uh, I have a forum there at V-Radio, so give it a try. And um, once again, thank you, Lucas, for coming on today. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you. Um, I'm Lucas Vasquez. Uh, I'm a student. I'm a local high school student here in New York, uh, Long Island, New York. Uh, I've been organizing for Occupy Wall Street since August 2nd. Since uh, Adbusters uh, Culture Jamming magazine made the call out for this occupation of Wall Street, I've been uh, or, I've been involved in many um, demonstrations locally here in New York City, such as May 12th. I've been organizing for that. Been organizing with a student group called New York Students Rising, which is a combination of SUNY students and CUNY students here in New York. And um, I've been involved in all that, and really have dedicated my time towards uh, mobilizing for this occupation of Wall Street lately. Well, that's awesome. It's also awesome to me that you're a young person involved with this effort. Now, um, uh, the first question that I always ask a new guest, as I warned you ahead of time, was um, what moment uh, was the precipice in your life that made you decide to become an activist rather than just the typical guy who's concerned about who won on American Idol? Right. So it's it was a two-step process, I, I'd consider it. Um, concerning my mom, uh is Argentinian. She's an immigrant from Argentina, and she lived through one of the most brutal dictatorships in Latin American history, which was during the 70s under uh, Videla, the the dictator of Argentina. And I've read many books that she's introduced to me, and and many stories that showed the brainwashing and and 
crimes against humanity that that uh, dictatorship committed. And, and to, to know someone as my mother that has gone through that uh, is really remarkable. And she really introduced me to one book that really impacted me by Amy Goodman called Static, which exposed the war crimes and crimes against humanity that the Bush administration committed uh, uh, during his presidency. And there was one instance where I read where a fellow uh, Muslim was traveling to Canada. He... Um, he was going through JFK. He had no record, criminal record, nothing. He was stopped randomly, searched, and, and he was, surprisingly to him, he was sent and tortured to Syria. And, and it was ridiculous. Amnesty Now International has gone and investigated and, and many organizations, but it was just ridiculous um, for me to, to, really, to really read that and see that that's actually possible in, in a country that supposedly that we're all free and, and we have liberty and our civil liberties are protected. But it really it was a big surprise to me, and, and that's where it's my activism and, and uh, political anger, I'd call it, uh, started. So, well, yeah, that's definitely a big wake-up call. So you said you're a Muslim? Uh, I'm Argentinian. Argentinian. Okay, that's something about, I thought you said fellow Muslim. It, it wouldn't bother me anyway, but uh, it's ironic because you bring up Argentina, actually. Uh, one of my last B Radio shows, I brought on a citizen of um, Argentina who discussed the financial collapse in that country that took place uh the late 90s and uh, early 1000s. I mean, well, if you talk to them, obviously they say it's still basically going on. Um, an example of an economy utterly annihilated by inflation um, and a bad uh, monetary practices, among other things. And yes, the, the dictatorships, the fascist dictatorships that rise out of those financial collapses. Um, the, the radio show is actually entitled What to Expect uh, During a Financial Collapse. And the reason for that is because uh, it had already happened in Argentina. And you got to see, you know, firsthand, like kind of what, you know, watching a simulation of what it could be like in other countries, like the United States. Now, that brings us actually to uh, what got you involved in Occupy Wall Street specifically? Uh, what got me, uh, I'd say, inspired and involved in, into this movement um, what was really the the economic crisis that happened in 08 and, watch, and watching what occurred after it, all the foreclosures that went on, all the people that suffered due, due to the uh, crimes, that really crimes that the CEOs of Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase and all the big banks committed – and none of them are in jail, and they got bonuses. You know, and that that was a big wake up call, also. Um, and so that really, really inspired me. But besides that, all this organizing really allowed me to learn what organizing means in New York City. Um, and 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 really, through through my my year of activism, I've experienced many demonstrations that have accomplished nothing. You know, um, there's twenty thousand person rally in Union Square back in April, but it really didn't achieve anything. I learned throughout the years that. Um, there needs to be more actions of radicalism, more radical actions that that allow people to take a step beyond the unjust laws that are that are set today, and such as occupations, and those are really that put pressure on the government and 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 those who have power right now to to really uh, pay attention to our social movement and establish a sustainable social movement. You know, that's awesome to hear, and I'm glad to hear that you have that enthusiasm. Um, obviously, uh, most of the people who listen to my radio show are involved with the Zeitgeist Movement or the Venus Project, uh, proposing a resource-based economical model, basically of sustainability, green energy, things like that. Right. Um, but, you know, where you're at right now, obviously, is kind of a first step to trying to bring people aware of the fact that there's a problem in the first place, and many people just don't see that, uh, particularly when it came to all the stuff in regards to Wall Street. That's... Uh, 
definitely something that rings true with me uh, is just to see, you know, that people are finally, you know, getting, you know, getting their hands in this, you know, and really noticing, yeah, there is a real problem. It's amazing to me. Um, and it's, it's one of the whole points of protesting that I've noticed is like you said, they didn't accomplish anything and that's unfortunate, but we need to get the energy back that protests had back in the sixties. Um, I think we need to get music involved with it as well. Um, I had a musician, uh, uh, Ben Stewart, actually, the same guy I said earlier, he's a musician. And, you know, I talked to him about the same thing um, was the fact that music used to be an energy of revolution. It used to be something that helped us. And nowadays, it's almost as though the like the kind of commercial music that you see is so dumbed down. You know, the idea that, you know, you're ever going to hear Justin Bieber say anything of, you know, of merit. You know, people talk about that guy endlessly. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, one of my favorite episodes I, I played, uh, which was called the, On the Subject of Sheeple. We, we did a V-Radio episode about that. And we went to recordings of people talking about who they were going to vote for president and why. You get to find out just how completely unaware people really were and some of the frivolous reasons that people were voting. Like, I won't vote for Hillary because she's a, you know, because she's a bitch or I, I will vote for Obama because I think he's cute or, you know, they had all of these stupid reasons that they were doing that. And that's why you really have your work cut out for you. But, you know, I want to say, you know, also just uh, because the Zeitgeist Movement supports what it is that you're doing as well, um, you know, that you're not alone and to keep doing this, you know, don't let it, you know, don't let this get you down. The, the first time that I called your organization, you know, I, I had talked to a guy, you know, and he said that, you know, the, the media was doing its best to ignore you. I think Michael Moore made an interesting point that, you know, we get all this coverage of the Tea Party people. You know, they get all kinds of, you know, talk time on CNN and Fox. and But um, any organization like yours that supposedly is from the left just does not seem to be getting the attention that it deserves for what it is that it's pointing out. You're allowed to, you know, to point fingers at anyone who might suggest that we should have health care or that people should be taken care of. But you know, but don't point, try to point fingers at, say, you know, Goldman Sachs executives that are making more money from going bankrupt than they right. were beforehand. Right. You know, so, I mean, what's been your experience with the media? I mean, um, I, I think Keith Oldman uh, summed it up in a, in a good, uh, simple sentence. Um, last Saturday, um, about five innocent girls were maced by a police officer who hadn't done anything, those five innocent girls. Imagine if that was part of a Tea Party protest, the amount of media coverage that th that Tea Party protest would have got, you know? It's ridiculous. And and we called it a media blackout, you know, um, because the first four, first week or two weeks of, of the occupation, we really didn't get the amount of media we expected because they did decide to ignore us, and they're in mainstream media, and they are funded by this, the corporations that we are trying to... to uh, bring attention to that and, and attack, you know, and so it, it all adds up, um, but lately, um, the media, it, it has been relatively, uh, has been covering us, I wouldn't say it has been good, um, I really respect some uh, hosts and anchors on MSNBC, such as Lawrence O'Donnell and Keith Oldman for exposing the police brutality that occurred uh, last Saturday, and I really, I, I really want to say thanks to them, because that, that really helped gain momentum towards our movement, um, but besides those those channels, you know, the rest has been very pessimistic. What are the, these these Occupy Wall Street uh, hippies don't have any goals, any demands? But they really are. They should instead of saying that, they should read our our website, our blog, and really understand who we are. So they're looking at from looking at our movement from a mainstream perspective, and that's the wrong way to look at it. So yeah, the 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 media hasn't been doing that well, and and New York Times is the same same uh, right to blame. 
You know, uh, last Saturday, uh, this Saturday actually, um, 700 protesters were were arrested on the Brooklyn Bridge, um, and and some New York Times reporters confirmed that the police allowed the protesters onto the bridge as a trap in order to or mass to conduct mass arrests. Um, but then it was published that that editorial was published. But then uh, hours later, it was changed, and this picture is showing how it was changed. And that, that's just, uh, I'd say, the epitome of the mainstream media how, on how they have been covering us. That's actually, yeah, that's, you're basically encountering all the stuff that the, the protesters in the United Kingdom, uh, I used to talk to Charlie Veach quite a bit about this from the Love Police, uh, the different tactics that they use, I, I think it's called kettling, or there, there's basically right. a term for it when they, the police will trap you somewhere and just hold you there. Um, by just, you know, with their riot shields and all of that. You know, the idea that they invite you onto the Brooklyn Bridge and then arrest 700 people? 700 people? Where the hell do you hold 700 people? Right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and these, they use illegal tactics all the time. It's it's ridiculous. It, it's amazing how, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know their rights. And, and even worse than that, during the course of these kinds of incidents, you know, the, the police know different ways to try to get loopholes. You know, and it's, it's unfortunate, you know, that... Um, yeah. Because, I mean, especially, there's got to be also, I'd have to say, I mean, do, do, have you had any positive experiences? I mean, are there any police involved in your movement that you're aware of? Because, I mean, cops are getting hit hard by the economy, too. Right. Um, we we they haven't really shown any solidarity and support towards us. Um, we really hope they, they show because we, we chant with them. We tell them, uh, we had a sign, actually, the other day that was great. It said, police are one layoff away from, from supporting us. You know, we're fighting for their pensions. We're fighting their workers, public sector workers also. They're, they're part of unions, and they should be on our side. You know, they shouldn't be protecting the rich who actually take away their pensions. It's ridiculous. Um, we have a labor committee at Occupy Wall Street that is actually uh, going to reach out to the PBA police union to really uh, try and gain some solidarity from them because it, it, it's very needed. See, in the United Kingdom, uh, there were actually police officers joining some of the protests because of the kinds of layoffs that you're talking about. Uh, police, you know, public servants being put out of a job in a time of uh, bad economy when statistics prove that your uh, that the crime rates go up. You know, in a situation of bad economy, that's not the time you want less police. You know, uh, but that that's you know, it's not a priority to keep the layman, you know, the the, the people of the lower income scale safe. It's, it's you know, I'm sure that they make sure that they're all the corporate offices are protected. Now, it's interesting, yeah. you know, we're talking about the media a little bit here. There's a quote here from Malcolm X. If you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. Um, very telling point, especially, you know, I, I, they're talking about, you know, calling you guys hippies, saying you have no direction and no focus. Of course, they don't want anybody looking at your website. It's a classic uh, debate tactic frequently used in the in the media, in politics. It's essentially the ad hominem. You know, they're going to try to draw attention to whatever personality flaws or maybe, you know, whatever they can try to make you guys look like so that nobody's listening to your message. It's like psychological book burning, essentially. They're, they're robbing people of the opportunity of looking at your ideas. Um, and it's interesting that, uh, you know, that, they you know they go out of their way to ignore stuff like this i've had uh, several uh, v radio shows recently about protests around the world um i had one not long ago about what was going on in egypt uh, we had one about what was going on in spain and in all of these situations the media was doing its best to completely ignore 
the efforts of the people who are trying to bring attention to the real issues. You know, um, and it's it's the the way that our system is set up. Hold on, just a second. Looks like uh, Lucas might be having connection issues. You go ahead and try that again. Sorry about that, folks. Um, it looks like Lucas's uh, internet. Sorry about that, folks. It looks like Lucas's internet connection might have died on us. I'm going to go ahead and add him via his phone. Um, with any luck, his internet will come back up soon. Um, but in any case, uh, as I was saying. So these countries is going out of their way to it. Hey, sorry, my computer just yeah, it, it just it's uh, totally shut off. fine. You're you're back on the air. Um, okay. The sound quality is not as awesome, but um, just get your computer back up and let me know, and we'll re-add you that way afterwards. But um, in any case, in any case, uh, yeah, in the this is a common thread worldwide. That's one of the reasons why you know V Radio is an international audience show. Is because you know, as I was saying, we've had people from the, the Egyptian protests on the Spanish protests, and all around the world, the the media is trying to ignore, um, you know, what is going on, and it, it's often a problem is that people don't understand that the same people who own the media are the same people who don't want any attention drawn to things like uh, what ha really happened with the money that Goldman Sachs got from the bailout. You know, it doesn't want that kind of information out there. And it, since, you know, you can buy and sell the media just like anything else, you can essentially take control over what people's perceptions are. And that's why they want everyone to perceive you guys as a bunch of directionless hippies with no plan, because that's a lot easier than trying to argue the point of, well, what? It, why is it that all of a sudden you guys are all rich when you went bankrupt? Right, exactly. And and you know the media. Many people say the media have the most power in this country. They they control the culture. They control the perceptions of the masses. And and to know that corporations, the people who are actually impoverishing the masses and controlling the minds of the masses, are 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 funding the the media. You know, and it's a ridiculous process. Corporations really have the strings and hold the strings of 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 this entire country. And we really have to find a way to separate that. Um, but, yeah, you know, there, there's big examples of good media, like Democracy Now!, a fully fun, independent, uh, viewer-funded program. It, and, and we have to follow their example of, of, of real media and, and not corporate-funded media, you know. Um, and, and, and if you watch, let's say, Fox, CNN, and all those channels, and then you watch Democracy Now!, there's a huge difference of how it's conducted, how, where the truth lies, you know, what types of issues are covered. If, if certain, certain social movements that are challenging corporate power are shown on the media or not, you know, things like that that are really controlling perception of people uh, all over this country. But I think, you know, there's, the, there's one point that we can get to not being able to expose it to, to, to uh, an entire country. Because, and I think we're growing towards that point, and that's our goal. And, and hopefully we can get there. Yes, excellent. You know, it, it's interesting also is that we need to make people more aware of these factors, particularly about the media. Uh, there are great films that I advise. Um, Outfoxed, Rupert Murdoch's War on Journalism. Yeah. Orwell Rolls in His Grave is another great one. Um, uh, people don't recognize this. Uh, th actually, uh, there was another one I was going to say. Uh, Scott Noble's work, Psy War. 
P-S-Y-W-A-R. That film will scare the hell out of you. And more to the point, it's uh, it's dangerous just how, how powerful propaganda can be. Now, it looks like right. your computer is back up. I'm going to try to add yeah. you to conference via that. You can go ahead and hang up this phone call so we can get back to that good sound quality. So here we go. Yeah. So go ahead and hang up your phone, and we'll bring you on via Skype. All right. As soon as he picks up, we'll continue. But um, you can also find links to all of those films that I talked about in that must-see TV list that I was talking about on my website, d-radio.org. Lucas, back to, good to have you back. Thanks, yeah. Good to be back. Yeah, the, the difference in sound quality is amazing. I love Skype. Uh, yeah. But in any case, um, you know, people need to be aware of this information. We have a culture that's still brainwashed to believe. Well, I saw it on the TV, you know. These people are paid to, to be good informants about what's going on in the world, and, and it's just it's just not the case. They're paid by someone who has an agenda. Um, and once you understand, you know, like I say, so the film Cywar, um, just how much psychology goes into advertising, how much of it goes into the uh, the messages that you're pre you know fabricated for you. Uh, I'm a good friend of Senator Mike Gravel. He wrote a book called The Kingmakers. It's about the same topic about the different ways that the media controls perception. So I don't want to go too much off on the, the tangent other than to say that it was relevant that, you know, the, the media is doing its best to either try to paint you in a bad light or just pretend you, you're not there. Um, and that's becoming more and more of an issue. Um, there was a time when major protests always made it onto the, you know, onto the television. Uh, look at the way that the protests of the Vietnam War were covered in comparison to the protests of things going on now. You know, the every aspect of how people perceive things is being controlled by a group of people who is intent on ensuring that they are the 1% and that everyone else is the 99%, as I've seen on so many signs from your protests. Now, I wanted to go back to, uh, you know, just experiences with the protests in general. So girls maced by police officers for no reason. Um, is there any YouTube video of this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's huge. It's got more than like a hundred thousand views. Keith Olbermann showed it on his show. Lawrence O'Donnell has shown it. It's gotten very uh, viral and huge. Um, and we actually and John Stewart has. Um, what's so amazing and interesting is that um, we we actually know the commanding officer who did the pepper spray and mace. Um, his name is Anthony Bologna. Um, he John Stewart mocked him, and actually John Stewart has created a no, a new TV show called I forgot what it's called, but it's mocking that uh, that specific uh, police officer who who did the macing and and pepper spray, and and it's great to see John Stewart doing that. It, it really helps. You know, and that's man. You know, you got to ask yourself what at what point is this person at what place is this police officer in his mind? you know, to be able to think that that's acceptable behavior. And that's one of the reasons, folks, it's why I tell you, you know, and it's um, in a actually in a future episode of E-Radio, we're going to be talking about this very topic um, about the, the police and the military are, you know, they're basically the biggest victims of all of this. Um, somehow, some way, somebody justified to this police officer that behavior, you know, think about whatever went on to put into his psychology that that was acceptable and understand that he's probably the biggest biggest victim of the system there are because there is because um he's been robbed of his soul 
you know, if you think about it, anybody who thinks that that's acceptable behavior, whoever convinced them of that, it's it, that's just as bad as selling your soul to the devil if you believe in such a thing. This guy, you know, has more damage to him because he's not going to be able to feel. He's lost his empathy. He's lost his sense of true right and wrong. And it's also through propaganda. The police are very, uh, very regulated. Like there's a lot of different movements, for example, that are put on pamphlets. We have a copy of one of them that actually lists uh, the zeitgeist movement along with a couple of other movements as, as possible terrorist organizations. I'm sure you guys are getting listed as you know possible terrorists as well, just for having a dissenting view. Um, and it's it's dangerous to me to remember is that you know whatever these police do to you. You need to be sure, just like Martin Luther King did, that who it is is the aggressor remains extremely obvious. Because if you fight back, remember, the media is going to look for anything they can to try to demonize you. And what's going to happen is, say, you know, one incident, maybe somebody throws a firebomb at a police officer, and then that clip will be taken, it will be doctored, and then that's all you will ever see. Oh yeah, the you know the X you know the X movement whatever they threw a bomb at somebody. I just saw it on the you know in the news, and then and that's all you'll be seeing. You know the way to do this is to humiliate people um, who are being brutal, uh, but by making it extremely clear that you've done nothing wrong. And yes, that means unfortunately a lot of people are going to get hurt, but in the long run that will change a lot of minds. You know, um, actually, if you've ever seen the film Gandhi. He talked about the same thing, you know, was that I don't want to kill them. You know, I want to humiliate them for their tyranny. And it, what you guys are doing now, the peaceful protest is definitely the way to go. And I know that it makes us angry when this kind of stuff happens. And I by no means condone it, but that's what they want. They're hoping to incite, you know, riots. They're hoping to incite negative behavior by people like you so that they can have, then have a, a quote unquote legitimate claim to try to shut you down. Um, and that actually brings me to another question. Um, uh, I've noticed actually in my studies that the police will commonly send in plainclothes people into peaceful protests and try to get them to misbehave, uh, to even suggest the violence, to see how everybody reacts, to try to entrap them. If they if they have a protest that they want to break up, that they can't find a legitimate reason to do it, they will literally have police officers dress in plain clothes, go into those protests. And then start throwing rocks or committing acts of violence to then in turn give the police the legitimate, you know, quote unquote, legitimate perceived reasoning for breaking up that protest. Have you guys had any kind of, um, you know, infiltrations of that nature as of yet? Um, not yet. Um, n nothing of that sort yet. I know it happened at the Republican National Convention in New York City in 2004. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm glad it hasn't happened here yet. Uh, we've we've we've. Uh, seen some possible suspects for undercover police, but there hasn't been... I think what's great about this movement is that we really created a social norm of nonviolence and peace, you know? So, like, if, if we saw anybody who, who tried to start some kind of violent uprising or, or some violent action, I think every... most of the people there would, like, really, like, try to prevent that from happening by, by like, looking at that person and saying, like... or physically having them stop... Um, from doing that uh, violent action, if a police infiltrator were to do so, and and there's such a big norm of nonviolence that I think the, the mass the mass of this protest would really would really look down on that and really forcefully not allow that to happen somehow. Um, 
but that that is a possible possible action that could happen. We're really working on on how to prevent that from happening, and and really uh, expressing our our uh, nonviolent uprising, our peaceful uprising. That that's what we want to um, um, expose to the public. That's excellent. Yeah, and that's I was also just kind of bringing that up for protesters in general. You know, learn from this example uh, because they will do their best to try to break you up, and they will do it through your anger. You know, they will find ways to, to, you know, make it look as though you're violent extremists, even if you're not. Um, and, you know, remember, of course, folks, the media, as we said previously, is already not on our side. And they're desperately looking for anything they can find to make people who call out the establishment look like quacks. So we can't give them any ammunition at all. Um, now, you guys have basically, I guess, um, this kind of, I mean, how long have you been involved in this, first of all? And, and then we'll take it from there. Um. I've been involved since August 2nd, since um, Adbusters uh, Culture Jam magazine from Vancouver, Canada put out the call for this. Um, how it started through the organizing was each Saturday in New York City at Tompkins Square Park, we would have general assemblies and, and really um, create and establish the logistics that would go behind this movement and occupation and really try to set out a good environment from people for people who are coming out of town to feel welcome and feel like like they know what they are doing so they're not a stranger in this new occupation and i think it really worked out well how we how we somewhat planned this occupation locally here in new york city that's awesome. Um, and I guess then, you know, I guess it started out kind of small. Uh, I recently, and then it just got bigger and bigger from there. I mean, 700 protesters is awesome. Uh, and I guess that at the end of the day, you know, 700 people arrested, that's something that, you know, people will remember who witnessed it. And that's one of the reasons why people ask, you know, you know, do protests or marches accomplish anything? Only if they're consistent. You can't just march on one day in a year and expect anybody to pay any attention. You got to right. do it over and over and over and over and over again. And it seems like that's what you guys are doing. I mean, um, I mean, how often are you out? Um, you know, like we we try to stay there as long as we can. We we sleep there every day. Um, not everybody can sleep there every day. Some do, but you know, we have rotation. People come, people leave. But in order to attract more people on a more reasonable daily basis, is to have marches, two marches a day, maybe three. At three three p.m. and nine nine a.m. for the morning bell of the stock exchange to disrupt it, obviously, and then during the late, later hours when people get off work. So we try to do that daily, every day, to really gain momentum and have and gain a critical mass. That's great. Now, um, I guess the the question then would be, you know, if we could kind of scale it up from there. Uh, when was the first time that at least you're aware of that you guys had an entanglement with the police? And how big was your movement at that time, or at least in that specific instance? What triggered the first uh, attention you got? Um, the first major scruffle we had in confrontation with the police, I'd say, um, was uh, last Saturday uh, on a march from Liberty Plaza, a.k.a. Zuccotti Park, to Union Square, which is about a two-mile walk. Um, it was, I'd say, about uh, 1,500 people marching um, we had 1,500 marching down uh, Broadway, one of the major streets in New York City, cutting off traffic, uh, going through the streets because we really couldn't fit on the sidewalks. So we were nonviolently and peacefully marching through the street. Police tried stopping us, but we were too many people to be stopped. So we reached Union Square as a success. From Union Square, we split up somewhat, intend to come back, go back to Liberty Plaza, but then the the, the cops 
had nets set up to kettle us. So they split us up into four different side streets, led us towards one direction, and at that intersection where we, we there was a line of police officers with an orange net trapping us. So we turned around, tried heading the other way to escape that trap, but then there was another line of police officers with another orange net um, trapping us. So we couldn't, there was nowhere safe to go. And they arrested everybody in between that trap, which is completely illegal and legal actions will be taken. Um, and, and on that day, a hundred were arrested. And that was the day five innocent girls were maced. And that's where it all this police brutality started. And I think since then, we gained a lot of momentum because people saw it, how how crazy it's gone and the momentum it's gained. And, and uh, such as M- MSNBC has shown uh, the police brutality on a mass scale. And, and people have seen, have seen how police were the bad guys in this instance, how they used their batons on innocent girls and dragged them across the street. And it really showed, like Gandhi said... Um, the the um, embarrassment and, and tyranny of the police conducted towards innocent protesters and and, I, and and it was just great to see that we gained a critical mass after that but that was the first official like uh, com- confrontation with the police yeah you know and that's you know it's unfortunate you know somebody should tell those girls that as much as that was probably a horrible thing that happened to them they probably helped their cause in in a way that uh, you you never could accomplish just by holding up a sign. Um, it, it's almost as I mean I don't get me wrong. I don't encourage people to go getting maced if they can avoid it. But um, in the end of the day, that was a victory, you know, uh, for your movement because it you know things like that are what get people to open their eyes. It's like that you know that one song you know there's something happening here and what it is ain't exactly clear. You know basically stop you know everybody look at what's going down. You know, there, there needs to be moments like that. I mean, uh, Martin Luther King didn't get any attention until people were getting, you know, hosed down by fire hoses and beaten by police. You know, and it's unfortunate that that's that that's a way to to get attention for your cause. But at the end of the day, that's how these things get started. These movements get started that way. You know, to draw attention to a problem that everybody's doing their best to try to ignore. Um, and so, I mean, if you ever talk to any of these girls, you know, by all means, tell them, you know, that, uh, that there are people out there that thank them for what they're doing. Um, and that as traumatizing and unfortunate as it was, it, you know, every time one of those police does something illegal, every time they commit an act of brutality, they actually commit a huge amount of brutality upon their own image. And they make what you're doing look like something that people are going to need to check into. I mean, well, geez, this must be really important. Why did a police officer feel it was necessary to mace, you know, six innocent girls? You know, what's this about? Is, you know, is unfortunately the, the only way that, that you get these kinds of messages out, um, as, as sad as that is. Uh, we as a society are brainwashed to not to pay attention to anything that's not, quote unquote, you know, fed to us through the bread and circuses like they gave us in the Roman Empire, uh, you know, to pay attention only to that and not to what's going on behind the curtain. Um, now, I guess uh, since then, has, you know, obviously you're taking legal actions about the, the illegal uh, you know, arrests, and obviously you guys are probably going to try to look into this, you know, the situation with these girls. I hope that they're. Have got to be some pro bono lawyers who can assist you with this sort of thing. Has there been anything like that since then? Um, you know, I, I'm not. There's a legal committee, and I'm not really too involved in that. Um, we have uh, this uh, collective, an organization called the National Lawyers Guild, who has been extremely helpful and supportive of our occupation. 
they come down to all the marches and document everything they see the police doing, you know. Um, and we have other lawyers, private lawyers, uh, that help us out. And and the NLG, National Lawyers Guild, have helped out those who have been arrested um, uh, uh, get freed from jail, you know. Um, and and that's they've been uh, crucial in that. Um, but besides that, I'm not too uh, sure what legal uh, actions have been taken uh, on on in terms of uh, the illegal arrests. But I'm sure that will be made public very soon, as as long whenever it will be taken, you know, because it's the NYPD against the people who occupy Wall Street, and and um, I'm sure it will be huge. Yep. You know, it's interesting. We brought up Gandhi, you know, and it seems as though you guys are going through all of the stages, which is first they ignore you, then they mock you, then they fight you, then you win. You know, so stay the course, because that's how these things historically move, you know, and that's why I would say, you know, I guess now to, to say to people, because I know a lot of my listeners would be interested in helping you guys, first of all, uh, how does someone become involved in your movement? What you can do, um, it all depends where you live, I'd say. Um, there are, so far, we have 100 cities uh, occupying their financial districts and, fi- and capitals and such um, in solidarity with uh, Occupy Wall Street. Um, so, you know, people can look on Facebook and on the Internet if there's any occupations near them that they can participate in. Also, uh, people can donate um, on the OccupyWallStreet.org website. Um, and people, if they're in New York City or want to come down, please come down. We have we have uh, things happening every day, you know. Uh, we have marches every day. We have uh, cultural activities. We have famous uh, speakers come down and speak. Um, for example, uh, Naomi Klein, uh, the author of Shock Doctrine, will be speaking in Liberty Plaza at our, our, at our occupation Thursday at 6 p.m., so, you know, there's big things going on, and I recommend people to participate and organize locally because the only way we can get this out is really to spread it across the country. Now, I heard uh, – actually, I watched video of uh, supposedly Roseanne Barr uh, yeah. attended one of these rallies. Yes, yeah, she was actually uh, at the occupation on the first day, I think, and she actually talked for a, for a while. She gave a speech, and it was great. Yeah, actually, I, I noticed she's running for president. I thought that yeah. was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't say that I agree with everything that was in her platform, but I, I definitely agreed with uh, what she said when she was get, lending you guys her support. Um, and that's, you know, it's especially, you know, it, the thing with Olbermann, I think, is also really good. I mean, it's, of the mainstream media talking heads, the ones that I probably liked the most were Olbermann and Lou Dobbs. And both of them, of course, only got better when they weren't, you know, under the control of whatever corporate entity, you know, was controlling them at the time. Uh, and I and I hope that people continue to follow their work because getting fired for being, you know, for doing your job as a journalist is generally a decent indication that uh, you're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas we have, you know, those idiots like, uh, oh, man, Bill O'Reilly. You know, talk about a thug. That's a guy who, you know, it's like it's amazing that he still has a job by all of the previous standards that media would be judged by. You know, but he's, you know, but they're holding on to him. You know, he he's definitely a, a member of the good old boys club. Um, so um, now I guess you guys have, uh, you just mentioned Naomi Klein. Um, I actually, have, a lot of my listeners have recommended her to me um, about the shock doctrine, things like that. Um, now I guess. Uh, you said you said where where you live now. I know this is not just going on in New York, uh, and I are there chapters of this 
I mean, I guess how many other states are you aware of? Uh, there's cities that I am fully aware of. In total, I am positive there's a hundred other cities. Um, such cities that I know of, in short, uh, are like Boston, Tampa, Washington D.C., um, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento, even Anchorage, Alaska, um, Omaha. You know, there's all, cities all over the United States that are reading, feeling inspired to to have an American uh, uprising, such as ha- what happened in in the Middle East, and it's really spreading. Excellent, excellent. You know, and networking things like this can only help, especially because people can exchange the information and the things that they've learned, you know, about things like kettling, about things like being infiltrated by local law enforcement, about, you know, different ways that certain protests might have reached more people, things that get more attention and things not to do are also really important so that you don't have people making the same mistakes that have already been made. Uh, You know, so I guess then... uh, we're kind of now to a point where I would say, you know, let's take first of all for a moment and and discuss what exactly is Occupy Wall Street about. We probably should have done this at the beginning of the show. Yeah. But, um, I, I just I realized, you know, it just occurred to me that many of my listeners, especially the ones in other countries, like somebody in my chat room just now said that he had only heard about you guys like a couple days ago. Um, you know, and that's just the nature of this is that I just it just occurred to me many of my listeners probably don't know. So let's take it from the top. You know, if you had to kind of define a, a mission statement for Occupy Wall Street, what would you say? So Occupy Wall Street is really driven by the decision-making process. Well, that decision-making process is – it's called the General Assembly, which is essentially a form of participatory democracy. Um, what that is is a non-hierarchical leaderless structure where um, people have equal voices in, in a um, – in in a public place where where there's a facilitator that is changed every general assembly that tries to facilitate the discussion on what the general assembly wants to talk about you know let's say we want to talk about the corporate crimes and how do we fix that you know there's an agenda people can propose to the agenda then we have dialogue on the um on the agenda item those who are for and those who are against then we have friendly amendments and we try to come to a consensus on uh, different proposals and, and try to have people agree on such proposals by going through this process of friendly amendments and to really get everyone's voice um, into uh, the final result. You know, Because I think that's a great alternative to the representative democracy we live in today that does not represent us. And what I really want to get out to the world about this movement is that it is driven by participatory democracy as what was driven by the Spanish indignance, uh, the indignado movement in Spain, by the Greek movement that used this General Assembly form of decision-making process. And, and in Argentina, after the economic crisis, General Assembly is happening in each neighborhood. So we really want General Assemblies to be produced and and. Uh, participate, participated in in every community of America, and we want to educate people on this new alternative form of decision making process. You know, it, it's amazing actually how few people really understand how democracy functions, and more to the point, they don't understand that we don't actually have one. Um, <laughs> you right. know, uh, uh, the, the the democratic system that we have is essentially, uh, I mean, it, it ends up in practice being a plutocracy. Right. In that the only the rich are ever available to be voted for, you know you get guys like Mitt Romney, you know uh, total millionaires, John Edwards, all these people have just tons of money, 
you know, no poor person can get into the White House. And the few honest politicians that there are, uh, like people like Congressman Dennis Kucinich, I'm sure he probably supports what you're doing. Um, Congressman Ron Paul from the other side of the aisle, but if I had to pick a conservative, it would be him. Um, you know, uh, these people are the ones who have to fight tooth and nail to get any kind of attention. And generally, they, you know, they try to eliminate uh, them from debates as fast as possible because they don't want that kind of message out there. And that's why I tell people, again, support alternative media. Um, it's actually my intent pretty soon to do a, a – I've been asked to do a, broad, a radio broadcast on the Zeitgeist Movement Global Radio to try to help people understand the importance you know, of – if you have the gift of gab, get out. Do these radio shows. Do uh, do videos about this stuff. Cover this kind of thing. And if you don't have to, you know, if you don't have it in you to do that, support it by listening to it, spreading the word, giving out the links to people who give this kinds of alternative media, so that the kinds of stories like you're talking about, you know, can be spread. And in fact, if there's anybody in Occupy Wall Street who would like to be involved in, you know, in uh, getting a blog talk show or a talk show so started, I'd be happy to give them my knowledge. So that you guys could give, you know, you know, regular, uh, basically regular presentations of your own, get that started, you know, so that the people can turn on something. Because that's the thing is that it, people don't realize this generally, but we're kind of a, a of a group of people who like to turn on something and listen to it. Maybe when we're washing the dishes or you know cleaning around the house, and we need to ensure that whatever that is 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 not garbage. You know, and so in order to do that, if if the media is not presenting us with that product, then we need to make that product for ourselves. I'd much rather turn on a podcast about Occupy Wall Street or the Zeitgeist Movement or or even some of the libertarian movements than I would some of the garbage that gets spoon fed to us by the system. It's kind of like you know eating junk food and then not understanding why you're not healthy. You know, so take responsibility for that, folks. You know, and also. Get out in the streets with these people. You know, it, it's it's amazing to me that you've managed to to get together so much energy. And I think that as the economy fails, you're only going to get more of that. Um, you know, and I guess, uh, for example, I mean, the first thing that came through my head when I saw the name Occupy Wall Street was the documentary uh, Inside Job. Have you seen that yet? Yes, yeah, an amazing uh, doc documentary. I really learned so much about the economic crisis uh, in '08 from that documentary alone. It really cleared it up in a very simple way that most people can really understand. It, it was amazing. Okay, well, yeah. Um, I guess some people are saying they're losing audio. If you're losing audio, refresh the browser. And if that doesn't work, change the browser. And if that doesn't work, well, you should be able to get it on the on the archive. Um, but in any case, uh, once again, thank you for coming on today. Uh, do you guys have anything special coming up in the next few weeks other than that visit from uh, Naomi Klein? Yeah, actually, on Wednesday um, at 4.30, there's many things happening here in New York City. It's, it's going to be a big day. Um, many college students are, are walking out of their uh, college classes in order to demand free ed uh, higher education and, and universal educate public education. Um, they will they will be joining us in solidarity here down at Occupy Wall Street. Also, there's a huge labor march endorsed by the biggest uh, unions and community groups such as the UN uh, UST, the Federation of Teachers Union. Um, New York Communities for Change, uh, SEIU, the biggest union in the United States, um, will be endorsing and sponsoring a rally from City Hall 
two down to downtown uh, financial uh, district to Occupy Wall Street. So we're going to really gain a critical mass that day, and it's going to be a great day. Excellent, excellent. Um, you know, this is great news to hear. And I would say, you know, to, to extend kind of the olive branch to you guys, if you ever have stuff like this going on or maybe something big happens, get in touch with me, and I'll be more than happy to put you out to my listeners to, to hear about this stuff. Um, and uh, I can probably get an article into the Zeitgeist newsletter um, authored by you guys, and that gets translated into 30 languages and goes out to roughly half a million people. So, um, you know, get in touch with us so that we can network together. Even if we don't always agree about everything, it's kind of just a matter of getting alternative ideas to the forefront and into people's brains so we can really hash these things out and try to come up with better solutions for the future. Now, I guess... uh, at this point, um, I would ask you, uh, we've been over how to get into, you know, get into what it is that you're doing. Uh, you know, you gave the website URL. Um, you talked about some of the more recent stuff that's going on. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, we've covered a lot about this organization. What is it that you're, you know, I mean, have you seen that this is another thing I, I want to get at? Give me some stories about maybe people that you know who have been reached because of this effort. Like, uh, has anybody come back and said, well, geez, you know, now that I've listened to you, I feel X, you know, or Y or differently about something, you know, I mean, that's probably the most satisfying thing about activism is when you do reach people. Do you have any stories like that? Uh, Yeah, actually, my high school, you know, um, I really explained to my fellow um, peers that what what kind of decision-making process we're using in alternative to the mainstream politics and mainstream democracy, democratic republic that we learn in school, where I I really taught them what a participatory democracy is, where there's no leadership, everybody has an equal voice in in this general assembly, and it really appealed to them, and they they really understood, and and they felt like it was a right system to use, it was amazing that they they were exposed to something other than the mainstream politics we are are exposed today, and it it really touched me to, to really see people um appreciating such such um a, a good organic way of decision making process. Well yeah, you you know I should have went into that a little bit more. Uh Senator Mike Gravel actually is an advocate of what you're talking about. He has a proposal called the NI4D uh which you can check out at the ni4d.org um and it basically calls for a referendum system to be added to our constitution. Um, when the original American colonies were governed, one of the few things in the film, the the Patriot, uh, which has a lot of gross problems, you know, but one thing that it had right was that the colonies, you know, colonists used to get together in town hall meetings, and then they would hash out, you know, decisions that they would make, and then they would vote. And if you didn't agree with the vote, you could still omit yourself from whatever it was they wanted to do. Like, for example, you know, go to war with England was one of the things that they discussed. Right. And, you know, it, it's basically a situation of uh, people have to get together and take responsibility for the leadership. Because if we put it in the hands of a few people who are influenced only by money, you're always going to be in a situation of plutocracy. Um, direct democracy, it can, be, it can be good and it can be bad. I mean, I've seen referendums that I liked. I've seen referendums that I didn't like. But at the same token, as you know, Senator Gravel pointed out, when the people have the power to change things, then they will. When a politician makes a bad decision, he will be inclined, because he wants to keep his job, to forever cover up his mistakes or try to make excuses for them. When the people are in a position to decide, then it's more of a situation of, well, gee – 
We tried this thing and it didn't work out. I guess we're going to vote against it. There are too many situations, for example, like George Bush was like dropped below 40% approval rating. There should never be a time when I, as a United States citizen, should be subjected to the rule of somebody who is below even a quarter of the, you know, of the population's approval. That's just ridiculous. You know, we should have a recall system in place for presidents, just like we do for governors. You know, we should have a referendum system that, if necessary, to make federal laws. You know, that, and we should also, I mean, things like, you know, there are governments, like, I don't know if you've noticed or studied about this, but in Switzerland, yeah. you have to have a referendum in order to do most things. Like, you can't go to war unless yeah. you get the major support of the people. And if later on you do approve a war and people have decided they don't want it anymore, then they can post another referendum and they can stop it. Uh, in Ireland, they had a referendum to block the, the EU. <coughs> Uh, I think it was the Lisbon Treaty. Apparently, they managed to get it to go through later, but that's an example of power to the people of, you know, the people being consulted and being able to decide and make decisions for themselves. Uh, and so, my heart's off to you. My hat's off to you for bringing that attention up. You know, it can be a system that'll have its own flaws, but in comparison to the glaring flaws of a system where we are given a, a small group of people to choose from who are all very wealthy, um, and and then wonder why nothing ever changes. You know, Democrats, Republicans, it doesn't matter. You know, nobody gets into the presidency who's not filthy rich. Nobody, most people who get into Congress even don't get in unless they're filthy rich. Senators certainly don't get in unless they either are rich or sell their souls to somebody who is rich. And right. that's plutocracy. It's not democracy. Right. You got You hit it on the nail. You know, you, you said it perfectly. And uh, we, we want to end this pluto pluto plutocracy and and replace it with a better system of governance um and and really take initiative and take control of our own lives as as what happened all over the world especially in Argentina um and 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 just and stray away from the system that has failed us and has crippled uh and and really not depend on it anymore now uh somebody in the audience here is asking do you have more info on the October 15th protest um obviously you guys have something planned there do you, um, and you gave a little bit of information do you want to go ahead and uh comment on that further Well October 15th uh from what I know and understand is that is a global day of action um where in Europe there's going to be mass uh actions and mass protests um there hasn't been planned anything specifically planned here in New York City um, but there will be uh, things planned close, closer to the date. Um, so far, we're just uh, focusing on the October 6th occupation of Washington, D.C. and Freedom Plaza. That's the biggest thing that is coming up to date. Um, but I know October 15th is a huge global day of action where many countries will be uh, participate, participating in big, huge demonstrations. Excellent, excellent. You know, and it, it's also great to see that, that people who, you know, care about the common man are getting involved in this protest stuff, too. Um, you know, it's and the stuff that we're up against, folks, uh, in my upcoming documentary that I'm working on, uh, Troll, I'm going to be taking a clip from uh, a film called AstroTurf Wars. I don't know if you're familiar with that film, but uh, at one point they actually had a guy who got a camera into a Tea Party lecture and one of the things that they were telling people was, go to Amazon.com. This is where young people decide to buy their books to do their projects for college in. You know, this is where people, their formative years of, you know, what kind of political aspirations are. You know, this is where they go. Go to Amazon.com, search for liberal books, 
give them all one star and leave a negative mention. And the guy in the audience literally says to him, he says, you know, even if we haven't read it, he's like, yep, I haven't read most of the books I rate on Amazon.com. You know, and then when you're finished, then you want to write, you know, then you want to search conservative books and you want to give them all a five star rating. You know, this is the kind of attitude that people have about this sort of thing is to essentially, you know, deceive the populace and keep, you know, keep the free thinking out of it. Um, and you'll find that the people who support this are also generally the first ones to be aggressive in their speech and their attitudes and their habits. And you try to argue with them or even just politely discuss with them, and then they're not having an intellectual debate with you anymore. Because there's no intellectual way to justify the bailout and the money that, and the way the money was spent. There's no smart way to explain that. So it's much easier just to make fun of the people who have a problem with it than it is to try to get people thinking. And in fact, you'll find that these people will use these tactics to dumb down the conversation to prevent people from thinking. You know, so it, once again, Lucas, it's been great to have you on. Um, and do you have any other closing information that maybe you forgot to give? Um, go ahead and give the website URL again as well. So there's a couple of websites. Um, there's Occupy Wall Street as an ST dot org, uh, which is our main website. Um, there is also, if you want to donate, the website to that is bit, B-I-T, dot, L-Y, slash, SEP, S-E-P, 17. Um, and then there's another website called N-Y-C-G-A dot C-C, which is uh, uh, the website for our General Assembly. Um, uh, besides that, there's a lot of information on there also, and also on Facebook and Twitter I would recommend. Excellent, excellent. Well, I mean, you'll be happy to know that um, as a result of this broadcast, some of my listeners responding in the chat room have already stated that thanks to this, they're going to be attending some of your future rallies, um, in, in particular, obviously, October 15th, and I'm sure that you know some of the other ones in question will be brought up. There are a lot of people who are just looking for something to do, and you know, how can I make a difference? Well, you know, maybe one protest won't do it, but the more people who show up, the harder it is to ignore, folks. There are a lot of activists who don't you – know, basically the extent of their activism exists on their computers and nowhere else. Get out and give these people your support. Thanks again, Lucas, for being on today. Um, and uh, once again, stay in touch. If there's anything further you want to report on, you know, like any more incidents, you let me know, and I'll get you guys on the air anytime, and we'll get that podcast out to you know roughly 200,000 people. So thanks again, Lucas. Yeah, thank you. Great being on the show. Great show. Um, appreciate your work. Thank you so much. We'll definitely stay in contact, and uh, good, luck, good luck for everything. All right. Well, I'll talk to you a little bit off the air after we're finished here, but um, as was pointed out by uh, one of my biggest fans, Jessica Bortz, uh, OccupyTogether.org. Um, that's that's one of the website, you know, websites you mentioned earlier. And um, to those of you folks, uh, once again, thank you for tuning in to V Radio. Please visit my website, v-radio.org. Um, if you like V-Radio, please consider checking out my archives, and please consider a donation that enters you into the raffle for a free item from the V-Radio store. Um, I'm essentially a listener-supported effort here, and I work for you. So that being the case, folks, I'm going to leave you with some words from Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jacques Fresco. And you're listening to V-Radio.